hates me. What's up? What's up? Welcome to Watch What Happened Then. It's your host, Jen. How's everyone doing? We're at Thursday, guys. We have one more day till Friday. We're so damn close to it. You can just taste it. Oh my gosh, what a week, right? It's like a very long week in my opinion. But not um, not to say that it wasn't a good week. It was just a long week. And I watched like a, a few different shows. Like rather than just watching The Real Housewives, I popped on The Traders, as you know. <laughs> and I also popped on uh, Patty Stanger, Millionaire Matchmaker, which, by the way, like Leah McSweeney was on there. Um, don't really care for her. Think she kind of ruined Real Housewives in New York. And she's like really strange in The Millionaire Matchmaker. Like, I don't know. It's like she's trying to be famous in it. Shocking. Another person who's trying to be famous that was on Millionaire Matchmaker was John Medesian, Dorinda's long-term boyfriend after Richard passed away. <sighs> Troublesome. But he didn't get on the um, in the mixer on the show. It was just like a quick flash. I put it on my Instagram. Patty's like, he's too stocky. It's like, and the girl with the weird hair, which my husband's always like, what's, what's on her hair? By the way, I'm out in the dining room. So if my dog starts barking, I'm sorry, guys, I will pause it. I'm doing my best here. <laughs> um, okay. But I was watching Billionaire Matchmaker, which is like insane to watch back. It's only two seasons on Netflix right now. Patty Sanger, I know she's problematic and everyone has a problem with her, which I don't know. I don't know every bad thing that she's ever said. But you got to give the girl credit. She has some really amazing one-liners. And you know what? I don't think her advice overall is bad. Okay? Don't come at me. I don't think she has that bad advice. And she's very honest. Which, you know, maybe she should take it down a notch. But it's so entertaining. Do I know the whole thing scripted and casted? Yes, I do. Do I care? No, I do not. Have I been Googling all these contestants? Like, trying to figure out where they are? I have. I don't, like, I don't know what happened to them. I don't think any of them got married. But whatever. And then I watched this crazy crime documentary called American Nightmare. I started like trying to describe it. It's so hard to explain fully and that well. You have to go watch the documentary. It's on Netflix. If you've watched it, I'm going to talk about it. If you have not watched it, I'll try to put a timestamp in this episode so that you do not get a spoiler because this is a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I am going to be talking about the full documentary as quickly as I can because it is wild, the wildest thing I've, I've ever heard, honestly. Like, I, the twists and turns in this show, I was amazed. I thought I had it figured out 10 different times, and I was wrong. I was so wrong. Okay, so basically, the story is, is that there's this couple named Denise and Aaron, and they live in this tiny little area called Mare Island. It's in Vallejo, California. And it's like a really quiet neighborhood. It's on an island. And they don't live there together. The Aaron lives there and Denise is his girlfriend, so she sleeps over. Aaron had just broken up with this girl, Andrea, who is his ex-fiance. And the three of them worked at a hospital together doing physical therapy, okay? So one morning, Aaron calls 911. And it's like, my girlfriend, Denise, was kidnapped. And he sounds really calm and kind of odd on the 911 call. So he comes into the police station. They take his clothes. They're, like, swabbing him for DNA. He consents to everything. And he tells them the story. And he says that last night, he and Denise were sleeping in bed. And all of a sudden, there were men in wetsuits in their bedroom pointing lasers at them, like, attached to guns. 
And they forced, they zip tied their hands and they forced them to drink like NyQuil or something. And it was very specific, like NyQuil, diazepam. And I was like, that's weird. He's being so specific about what they made him drink. And then they said, like, come on. Like, they kept calling their names, like Andrea, Andrea. And they're like, wait a minute. This isn't Andrea, his ex-fiance. They're like, wait, it was supposed to be Andrea. And they, they knew their names. Weird, right? So they kidnapped Denise. This is what Aaron's saying. And he's left alone. He falls back asleep because of all the sedatives that they gave him. Okay, so the next morning he wakes up and he's on his couch and there's like red tape around the couch, a, a camera mounted on the wall, and he's been given instructions that he needs to wire $20,000 um, for ransom. And that if he goes to the police, like, you know, something bad's going to happen. So he tries to advance like money from Chase, but he can only advance like $3,500 or something. And he's like, oh shit. He tells the kidnappers that and they stop communicating with him. So then he's like, I got to call the cops. And it's been like hours now. So he calls the cops and they bring him in and they just start interrogating him. And they change, you know, they start treating him like a victim, but you can tell that they are suspicious of him, which when you hear the story, it's crazy. So he has like a lie detector done. He gives DNA, all this stuff. He finally is like, I need an attorney. The FBI agent's like, you failed this lie detector test miserably. Like tell us the truth. She's rotting somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like you did this like you you're the guilty one like you waited hours to call the police this is a bullshit story like no one would ever believe it it's insane so he talks to his attorney all the attorneys are, are interviewed for this and it's like a veteran defense attorney he's like yeah i thought it was batshit but i believed him he's like i don't know if anyone in north america will believe him but i did and i'm like idiot <laughs> So this whole ep the first episode there's, there's there's three parts like you don't know what happened to Denise and then all of a sudden they do like a proof of life and Denise is speaking very calmly about how like she's alive her first concert was Blink 182 and she gives like a current event of that day like a plane crashed in the Alps and this happened like 2015 I don't remember a plane crashing the Alps I don't remember this kidnapping story so it's like okay proof of life proof of life that's great so all of a sudden. She gets released in Huntington Beach, which is like far away from Vallejo, but it's where she grew up. The kidnappers just drop her off like door-to-door door, door -door service, and she seemed like a duffel bag. And she eventually like calls an attorney because she sees like all this crazy stuff on TV about how like she's a hoax and it's like this made-up story and they've wasted all these resources. So she gets an attorney. She gets an attorney and they go to the police station and she tells her story. And she says that same thing that Aaron said. It was like identical. The laser, the wetsuit, they put swim goggles on her head that were blacked out. All this crazy stuff. They put her in the back of a, um, like she, she says it sounded like a Mustang. And they, they drove around and he, she was, got out of the car, the trunk, and she was still blindfolded. But she could smell pine needles. And she knew she was in the woods. And they kept her in this house, and this is a trigger warning. There is discussion of sexual assault. Um, so please fast forward if you're not comfortable with that. So basically, that she said that her kidnapper was this, like, very gentle, seemingly gentle man who spoke nicely to her and played French pop. And she was like, it was kind of comforting because I liked the music. Again, weird details, right? The windows were all blacked out. And he says, um, you know... I need you, like, we need to have sex and I need to record it because there's no collateral. If we release you, then you can just go to the police. And she's like, oh, my gosh. So he, he rapes her on camera. 
horrific. And then like the next day, he's like, that wasn't believable enough. We have to do it again. And you have to pretend that we're a couple, like it's consensual. Oh my God, this poor girl. And she's like, I could disassociate before, but now I had to pretend like I was like into him. So he put surgical tape on her eyes, like brought in wine and, and vodka. Like it was like a freaking date. And he like rapes her again. And the cops, like, her defense attorney's like, we have to get her to a sexual assault treatment center to get, like, you know, a test, like an examination. So she finally gets that done, and there is evidence that, you know, sexual intercourse had happened in the last, like, 24 hours or something. However, no one believes them. No one believes them. They don't really do an investigation, turns out, and this, like, FBI agent's involved, and it, that goes nowhere. So the Vallejo police, where this happened, puts out this press statement and basically calls Aaron and um, Denise liars and that they should apologize to the community because they've wasted all these resources. So for like the, the kidnapper then writes to this journalist and is like, this happened. He's emailing, this happened. Here's proof of it. If they don't believe Denise, if they don't apologize to her, then I'm going to do this again. And I'm thinking, wow, these kids are crazy. Like they're going to these lengths to prove that they you know, that this all happened, like now they're doing emails. But a few months later, there's a break in um, down like 40 miles away from Vallejo. And this husband fought off the intruders. They're trying to rape his 22 year old daughter. So the police come up and they search and he left behind zip ties. And he also left behind a phone. So the cops investigate the phone and they find the subscriber and they call a subscriber and this it's a woman. And they're like, hey, do you know who owns this phone? And she's like, yeah, my, my son. And they're like, oh, great. We just want to get the phone back to him. Do you happen to know where he is? She said, yeah, he's staying at my cabin in Lake Tahoe. And then they show, like, the woods by Lake Tahoe. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. Is Denise telling the truth? So then they execute a search warrant on the house. And they find out that the person who owns the phone, his name is Matthew Muller or Mueller, He's ex-military, which Denise said that he told her that, like that he was in the military. And he also went to freaking Harvard Law, and he's a freaking lawyer, although he was disbarred that year for lying about, like, fraudulently charging a client or something. So the cops execute a search warrant on the, the little cabin in Lake Tahoe, and they find some weird shit. They find NyQuil. They find syringes. They find toy guns with lasers on them. Oh my gosh, I was like getting the chills at this point. I'm like, holy crap. They find like a blow-up doll in a the back of a white Mustang that was stolen out of Mare Island where these two people lived. And then they found the blacked out swim goggles with a strand of blonde hair on it. Important to note, Denise has blonde hair. So long story short, basically they tied it all together that this is the person who kidnapped and raped Denise and they were validated. And it turned out that, like, the FBI agent involved dated the intended target, who was Andrea. And it turned out that they really didn't do any investigations until this other police department got involved. It's really, really insane. So, um, what was I going to say? It's like, I'm still blown away. Like, you have to watch the documentary. Like, if you've listened to this recap so far, I really hope that you watch the documentary because... I cannot do it justice. Um, so obviously, Denise and Aaron sued the city of Vallejo for defamation, and they won $2.5 million. They're married now. 
They have two children. I like started crying at the end. I was like, oh my gosh. This poor girl, she was raped when she was 12. She was raped when she was 19. And then when she was 29, she was taken from her home and raped by this disgusting stranger. And she's like, when are they, or when are we going to be believed? And it's so like oh, heart-wrenching because it turns out that this guy had done this before. And he broke into this girl's house. I think her name was Tracy. And he tried to rape her, and she was begging with him, please, 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 please don't do this. And he kept calling her name, Tracy, 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 calm down, Tracy. Like, he knew their names. He stalked them. And the cops were like, do you think he had a bad dream? And she's like, look at my arms. They were zip-tied. Like, how did I make this up? And then they talked to her boyfriend, and they're like, is she prone to make up stories? She seemed like a very, like, level-headed woman. It was just really eye-opening. Crazy story really really insane and really scary like it would be horrible if they made the whole thing up but honestly the truth is stranger than fiction and it's really scary that these people walk among us these monsters look him up he's like he looks tall he doesn't look that like once he was in custody for a while he started to look like norman bates from you know the greatest movie ever psycho <laughs> but he didn't look all that weird he just looked like a nerdy guy so crazy like mind-blowing i didn't do it justice there's so many twists and turns such a good show okay enough about true crime and rape and really deep heavy stuff let's get into real housewives of new jersey season one episode six the finale okay although this episode is called the finale there is still like one more episode called the last supper which it goes into all the details of the finale. So there's going to be one more episode after this, guys, and it's going to go into more depth of what happens at this bad shit dinner. So before we get to the dinner, we start with Teresa, and we're at her house, and Dina's bringing this big ashtray that I swear to God has Louis Vuitton logo all over it. Did she make it? Did she buy, got, buy it? Did she get it at a consignment shop? I don't know. This girl's got a bunch of crap in her house. And Dina brings bread and salt, and she says that it's an Italian thing, and the bread is so that there's always food on the table, and the salt is to ward off evil spirits. And Teresa's like, ha, ha, like Danielle, <laughs> Danielle. So Trey's giving Dina a little house tour. Holy shit, guys, this house is just so gaudy. <laughs> the fireplace is seriously bigger than my whole body. Like, it's, remember in Harry Potter where they <laughs> travel by flu powder and Harry's doing it for the first time and they're like speak clearly speak clearly into the fireplace Harry and he's like okay Mrs. Weasley and then he throws the powder and he's like <coughs> and he just like murmurs and he ends up in this like bad part and not in Diagon Alley it looks like that kind of fireplace like someone could travel by flu powder to the wrong uh uh fireplace okay in a different magical world so they go into the kitchen. The sink has these like crazy tiles on it. I, I just don't know how much. This house must have cost so much money. Because if you've ever looked into like renovating your house, I'm using quotations because for me, it's like piecemeal, piecemeal. Like what can we, like little by little, you know, like did I paint my cabinets on my maternity leave? I did. Like Teresa's got marble imported from Italy. Cool. Like whatever. Um, She has these big ass columns in her house too that look like breadsticks. You know what I'm saying? Like the twisty ones. That's all I could think about. She's like, aren't these gorgeous? I just had to have them. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they're not gorgeous. They look like some like cheap breadstick that you would get 
like in one of those gift baskets that you win at an auction that no one eats the breadsticks you just drink the wine out of it the room is so big and Dina's like yeah you're gonna have to like warm it up a little bit (laughs) it's like girl you need to put that fireplace on if you want need to like that's how much fire you need to warm up this massive room it's like a freaking wedding venue honestly I don't know how you can create intimate spaces in here the ceilings up to the sky and it's just massive with (laughs) so much onyx and as Dina says she's like you've got onyx coming out of your ass and she does. And Dina says that it turned out great. I think she's lying. But also Dina's house is like a little bit of a hoard. A little bit of a hoard. So Teresa wants to show Dina her basement. And oh my gosh, this is why I love this show. Like Joe Judice has, like this is the only part of the house that's been relegated towards him. And it's this like little wine cellar where he can make <laughs> homemade wine. Oh, excuse me. Oh, pardon the interruption. Stand by. Okay, like I was saying before, my drunk co-host interrupted me. Um, by the way, do you ever just feel like they're yelling at you and you're like, please, uh, I'm doing everything I can to make you happy. And they're like, Wah. I'm happy to, to have the, I'm happy to have the interruption. I'm very happy to have the interruption. And I hope you guys don't mind it. But you know, like, I'm, I want to get this out and I love doing this. So, you know, you got to roll with it, I guess. Anyway, so we're in the basement, and Dina, <laughs> by the way, the like, the basement has, like, a ceramic wine bottle holder on the wall, and it says, like, Joe, like, the Judice wine room, or winery, like, a portly Italian-looking character on the wall, and there's, like, hookahs in the corner, like, tucked away, and Dina is, like, what is that smell? <laughs> and Lexi's with her, and they're both, like, trying to be polite and like talk about the winery and Medina is like I can't stay in here any longer it smells so bad what the hell did it smell like like did it smell like feet like did it smell like yeast like what was the smell I don't care I still want a bottle or five of Joe Judice's homemade wine and I wonder if he's still making it wherever he's living in the Bahamas or something um the doors, like, Teresa's like, do you love these doors? And they weigh, like, 3,000 pounds. Look at the doors. Look at them. Look at the doors. Teresa, uh, uh, Teresa said that, not Dina, but Teresa's the kind of person like, you come over, and she'd be like, this door cost me $15,000. Can you believe it? Look at this. Look at this door. Look at these uh, tiles in my sink. They cost me $13,000 a piece. She's just that kind of person. So they're walking outside, and it looks like a park. Like, it's such a nice front yard. It's, like, a huge driveway but again the house just looks so cheesy and like not real it looks like a fake house which as my brother thinks they are they're fake so they're drinking red wine by like you know the cement picnic tables like I had them in my grammar school and they have like the cement benches that go around it and like sides are all like decorative Teresa has one of those like in her front yard and by I say front yard I mean like 50 yards away from her house so they're drinking red wine, and it's in a decanter, and it just looks so delicious. They do drink, like, a lot of red wine, and it's tempting. Like, when you're watching it, you're like, damn, that looks good. Um, so Teresa's talking about how she wanted to have a housewarming party, but her house isn't finished. It's like, yeah, it's not furnished. And that wedding venue room is just, like, not warm enough, I guess. So she says that she wants to take her family and friends to her favorite restaurant. So she says that she's going to invite 
The regular crew plus Danielle. So Teresa says that she's going to just invite the regular crew, but she's also going to invite Danielle. And Dina's like, oh, why do we have to be forced friends with her? Like, why is she being invited? And it's like, Dina, because you're on a reality TV show and you have to film with her. Okay, She's the most exciting part of this whole show right now. I mean, I love watching the family stuff, but come on. Danielle is like the most entertaining right now. But Teresa's like, well, she's friends with Jacqueline. Like, I guess you can't say like, you know, obviously we're on a show. I have to invite them. Production's telling me. So next we're, we're with Danielle in front of her fake house. Now that my brother said that, I cannot... My brother said in the episode he was on, like, Jen, these houses, like, you don't know if it's really theirs or if it's, like, just a picture of the outside. And he's so right. I don't know. I don't know what's real anymore. So Danielle's showing the girls, like, her portfolio for modeling. And she says that she's showing this to them because Christine's interested in modeling. But, you know, it's because Danielle just wants an excuse to take out her lookbook. And all of the pictures are blurred out. And I don't know if that's like a licensing thing or like a legal thing or if she's naked in them. But let's just say I would not be surprised if she's showing her 14 and 9-year-old nine, like naked photos of her in her prime to be like, look how hot mama was. She said that she did something with The Sopranos, which I think I said on here before I started watching it. Um, I haven't finished like the first season yet, but what was she on in The Sopranos? Was she like an extra in the background? Was she like a stripper that worked at Bada Bing? Interesting, interesting. But Christine says that some of her photos are downright scary. I wish I could see them. Like, I need the unedited, unblurred version of this scene. And Danielle mentions that it was like hedonistic at times, her modeling career. And what does that mean? What does that mean? And she said that she had to do like a lot of weird things and she felt like exploited and she's trying to teach Christine not to be exploited, but. I don't know. It's an odd scene. And she's like, you trust me, girls, right? Like, you believe mama? Because she's telling them about the book. And she's like, um, you guys have heard about this book. And she's she's like, I've had to do a lot of damage control about the book. And on her in, in her confessional, she says, here's what's true in the book. I stripped, I was arrested, and I changed my name. That's it. It's like, those are three kind of big things. <laughs> But she's telling her daughters, like, you trust mama, right? And Christine's like, shut up, shut up. I said I trusted you, knock it off. And then she's telling the girls about the dinner party and how this is the first time she'll see everyone since, and she uses these quotations, the book came out. Now we're with Jacqueline, and it's like this big RV pulling in. I swear to God, I'm like, is our lesson Jane here? Like, are Slade and Slade Smiley's parents in New Jersey? Did they make their way from California to Jersey to visit Jack? No, it's someone else's parents. It's Jack's parents. And I didn't catch their names, but I do remember liking her parents. And she was afraid when she moved from Vegas that she wouldn't see her family that much. But she says that she sees them like every three months or so, which is good. Um, so they're in Jacqueline's kitchen and Jacqueline's cutting up food with this knife. And they're like, what knife is that? And Jacqueline's like, I got it at a pampered chef party. And uh, what's her name? Ashley is like, that's all people do here is like pampered chef and Botox parties. And then Jacqueline's talking about the work that she wants to get done. And her dad says that she'll end up looking like Goldie Hawn in First Wives Club. And I wonder if he means, I guess she did do a lot of work in that movie. Great movie. But I was wondering if he was also referencing that movie Death Becomes Her. But then I realized that's Meryl Streep. No, that's Goldie Hawn too. Great movie. I watched it recently. It's like Bruce Willis, 
Uh, Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, all cast, and then like the witch woman is this actress who actually played <laughs> Jack Donaghy's like ex fiance or ex wife in Thirty Rock. Um, yeah, in that episode, I remember Jack Donaghy's mom, who's played by Elaine Stritch. St- yeah, Stritch. She's like, yeah, Bianca, and <laughs> like Alec Baldwin's character is like. It's not Bianca, it's Bianca, like Willy Wonka. And then he kills over and has a heart attack. By the way, do you guys hear that Alec Baldwin is indicted on manslaughter charges for the shooting in that movie Rust? Ooh, he thought he got away with that, but then they indicted him on involuntary manslaughter. Yikes, that poor woman. She had like a little baby, like a little son. Ugh, so sad. Okay, but back to Real Hospitals in New Jersey. We're back in 2009. Nothing's wrong. Everything's great. No problems. Um, so Jacqueline asks Ashley to go outside with CJ so that she can talk to her parents. And we know that Jacqueline's going to ask her parents their opinion on Ashley's car and her behavior. And Jacqueline mentions that her dad was a colonel. Pretty cool. Um, but Jack, Jacqueline's dad says, don't tell her about the car. Like, don't tell her about it. And if you do tell her about it, tell her that it's hers to use. It's not her car. Pretty good advice, I guess. Now we're back with Dina and Lexi. Oh my gosh, this scene is wild. Like, I know you'll remember it. They're cleaning out Lexi's room because Lexi is now growing up and she doesn't want the stuffed animals anymore. The amount of stuffed animals in Lexi's room, I think it's seven full huge trash bags, just full of stuffed animals it's underneath the bed mostly underneath her bed they're in, they're in her closet and Dina's like laughing the whole time and then Lexi's like come here I want to show you something and then she opens up her drawer and the whole drawer it's like a big drawer it's filled with Halloween candy from two years ago <laughs> holy crap can I tell you something though one time I won like I, I don't know why there was a time in my life where Remember like those contests where it's like, guess how many candies are in the jar? There was a time where in middle school, I guessed how many candies were correct in this jar, which is very surprising because like I've said before, I'm not good at geometry. I don't understand like space dimensions or math, but I was winning like a lot of these, like guess how many, like how much candies in the jar. So I kept that candy I had like a lockbox where I kept my diary in it. Like, okay, how much juice am I spilling in this diary when I'm like 10 years old? Who knows? But every night I would, I didn't have a TV in my room. I had a radio, which was so cool to me. And I would put on Delilah, that radio station. I would be like, love someone tonight. And all these people would call in and be like, hey, Delilah, I'm a trucker. I'm on the road all the time. My wife and I, Betty, have been together for 40 years, and I'm just thinking about her as I'm driving alone on the highway. Can you think of a, a song that would represent our love? And then she'd play, like, Leanne Rhymes or something. But I had candy in that thing for years. I had to hide it from my brothers. What can I say? But Dina's acting so surprised that Lexi's a hoarder. But it's like, Dina, look at your own house. I'm just saying. You have a hoard. So we're back with Caroline and there's like an aerial view of her neighborhood and it looks like her house might be on a lake, which I guess Franklin Lakes, there's probably a lot of lakes in Franklin Lakes, but does she live on a lake? They never showed it if she does. But this is when we're introduced to her like big ass German Shepherd called Atlas. 
And she's like, it's for protection. And they're at this like field with this guy named Bernard Carrick and his wife, Hala. Okay. There was like this big, um, like not conspiracy. There was this big drama with Bernard Carrick. Hold on. Let me see. He was like the police commissioner of, yeah, he was a New York city police commissioner. Hold on. I'm just looking up like what he was in the military. He had like a very illustrious career. But something happened. I don't remember what happened. He was there for like 9-11. Like he had a really illustrious career, but there was a criminal investigation. Yeah, he was indicted by a federal grand jury in White Plains, New York on charges of tax fraud, making false statements to the federal government about the $250,000 he received from this, I don't know, Wertherheimer. Um, the prosecutors accused him of receiving about 236 hundred thousand dollars from um, a real estate mogul for like between 01 and 03 but some of the new york charges were dropped in 2008 but he was reindicted again in washington he pled guilty in 2009 to eight felony tax and false statement charges specifically on two counts of tax fraud one count this is kind of boring a loan a false statement on loan application five counts of making false statements holy crap he was sentenced to 48 months in federal prison and three years of supervised release he was on probation. Um, damn, he actually went to prison in May of 2010. And then he got out in 2013. And then he did five months of home confinement. But he was given a presidential pardon by Trump in 2020. Huh. So, anyway. Um, so she was very good friends with this guy, Bernard Carrick, back then. Hold on a second. Get back to my notes here. Um, so anyway, it shows Caroline training this German shepherd and how they know him around the neighborhood and the town and they know that they have money and blah, 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 whatever. Um, so they go back to Jacqueline's house and I don't know why, but she has six cars in the driveway. There's three people in this house who have driver's license, her, Chris and Ashley. And there's six like nice looking cars out in the driveway. What are they for? Like, does she have a driver? Um, Chris comes home, oh my gosh, and he's like, come outside, come outside. And Ashley is sitting there on her phone, like, being a brat. And Jacqueline's like, come on, like, come outside. Like, Dad has to show us something in, on the RV. And her parents are leaving, and she's like, oh my god, like, I have to get up and, like, go outside. And she's wearing one of those, okay, do you guys remember these shirts? It was, like, a shirt, but then there was, like, a weird bib on top of it. So it was, like... A tight-fitting shirt and then a loose, like, bib on the front. Why did we wear those? Are they coming back? Do not let them come back, guys. So Ashley comes, she finally comes out. And she's like, oh, my gosh, is this for me? She's so excited. It's a brand-new Jeep. But Chris is basically like, this is my car. You get to, you know, use it while you keep improving. But if you screw up, it's it's gone. And then Ashley says the most, like, 2009 thing ever. She's like, I'm ready to update my Facebook status to I have a car gosh do you guys remember when facebook was just a wall and like your status was always like jennifer is like you could like the is was always there so it was like jennifer is and then you had to write something it wasn't like you couldn't just write whatever you wanted it had to go with like jennifer is i forgot about that oh i need a quick sip i'm getting a little i'm getting a little dry here my uh throat's getting a little oh that's a quench i'm drinking these spindrift 
not sponsored, no hitos. My sister introduced them to me. Very tasty. Okay. Anyway, we're back to Dina, and she's at this place called Cafe Amica, and she's with Lexi and Caroline. And she's basically telling Caroline, I'm not built for this like business world. I miss being home. I like being home. I like to make my house beautiful. I want to stay home and be with my daughter. Like she's the only daughter I have. And Caroline like weirdly isn't just like, yeah, good, good for you. She's like, okay, so what are you going to do to fill up your day? Caroline, what do you do to fill up your day? Like you go and train Atlas at the park. Like what else do you do? And I can tell you there's a lot of things I can do if I wasn't working like full time. Cleaning my house alone. Uh, not a big house, but I could clean it all day. Um, I could go on a walk. I could work out. I could go to the store. I could make dinner. Um, I could, you know, hang out with my family, maybe see a friend, take care of my child. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to fill your day up. I'm just saying, especially in Dina's house. Like she needs to declutter. Maybe that's why her house is so cluttered because she's been working. Okay. Now I understand it. I get it. I get it. Cause in my house is now a horde since I went back to work. It's just filthy. But Dina says that some women, women's liver is going to want to smack her right now for saying that she wants to be a stay-at-home mom. And Caroline rightfully says, like, who says, like, what is, is nobody's business? Like, what you want to do is nobody's business. And I agree. Like, if you are someone who says that you're a feminist or a liberal, like, women liberal, like how she says, um... That I think like women liver it's like I guess it was a phrase back then then if someone wants to stay at home with their kid and never work you know good on them that is your choice so I I don't hate that at all I'm, I think it's lucky if you can do that but some people like to work so I don't know it's 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 complicated <laughs> um and Dina again reiterates that her favorite thing to do is take care of her daughter her husband her house and her cats and then she says I'm a retired girl and a housewife Yay! Good for you, Dina. Good for you. But isn't it funny that she was telling Lauren that she needed to have a job, like a backup? Maybe because she was younger. Anyway, again, just, you know, be careful, I guess, like, the advice you get and take it with a grain of salt. Okay, so we're back with Danielle, and she's getting ready for the crazy dinner. She's asking her daughters, like, hair up or hair down? I personally think her hair looked better up. I think she looked younger with it up but she decided to go down so now everyone's showing up the up to the um the dinner and they're showing up at a place called lunello and the dark wood accents are overwhelming but it looks so cozy like i want to go there i want to eat i want to drink so everyone is here all the girls are here danielle has not showed up yet all the girls are here their husbands are here and all the kids so it's like critifa albie uh juicy joe we got melania we got all the girls we have Jacqueline's daughter Caroline's daughter and everyone's just having like such a blast everyone's joking and laughing and Dina got Teresa lingerie and they're showing Joe and it's just like this very wholesome family friendly you know gathering and Albie's asking um Teresa's girls like they're at like the little bar and Albie's like what are you drinking something hot by the way Albie and Chris Critifa Manzo were also a million millionaire matchmaker with Caroline crossover and then I think Jill Jill was on it too when they were hooking up this other uh single girl okay whatever so it was just like a very nice situation Caroline's tipsy it's good to see her let her hair loose I mean she doesn't can't let it down it's like up to, it's like spiky but then Danielle comes sauntering in like a freaking black cloud 
okay? And they're all at the dinner table, and there's a seafood tower, and she is slurping down these raw oysters, and everyone else is like, eh, like, not really into it. Joe Judas is like, ugh, it's disgusting. Like, I'm not eating that. But she's like, this is how you eat it, Joe. Come on, like, this is how you eat it. Um, And everyone's just having fun and joking about the oysters. And then... Okay, so Danielle leans down, and now that I've watched it back, Carlos King was a producer on this show, and he has his own podcast. He's been on a lot of podcasts, and he has talked about this scene. Carlos King has produced some of the greatest seasons and episodes of Real Housewives. He deserves an award if he doesn't have one already. But in this episode, he said that he was, he brought the book to the dinner. Because when Danielle walks in, you don't see her holding anything, nothing. And she's wearing like a little dress, a little purse. Turns out that Carlos King was underneath the table handing Danielle the book. And no one else knew that the book was coming out. So kind of crazy. So then Danielle takes the book out and everyone's talking and like slams it on the table. And everyone is just like, what is that? And the whole mood changes. And then Teresa tells Joe to look look at the book in Italian. I wish that they would have spoken a little bit more Italian on the show. And then Jacqueline says that she felt like they were all being ambushed. Yeah, you were. And it was brilliant. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I wonder if Carlos King like went to the library to get this book. Or if he got it from like what was popular then. Like um, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Borders, Bookstores. But then Danielle starts talking about the book and she's and she keeps like talking to Dina and she's so adamant that like Dina revealed the book and you're trying to ruin my life and my name around here in Franklin Lakes. And I don't understand like why it matters that Dina revealed the book. I don't know why that's such a sticking point. And I even looking back after all these years, I just don't know why that was such a big deal to Danielle. Because it's obvious that they all three of Caroline, Jacqueline and Dina talked about the book at the salon, Chateau. But De- Danielle says, there's two truths in this book. I was arrested and I changed my name. I was never a prostitute. And Teresa's trying to interrupt her. And Danielle's like, I just be gone. But Caroline's telling the girls, come, come on, like, let her talk, let her talk, like time out. And then Teresa asks if the, ke- the kids can leave. And Danielle gets like pissed. And Caroline's like, just let her take her kids out. So the kids leave, thank God, except for... Christine and Jillian, Danielle's kids, they're staying there watching all of this craziness, okay? I don't understand why she let her kids stay, but she goes, my kids, like, need to see the truth. It's like, they don't need to see this girl. So Caroline's being kind of like the mediator here, and she's like, we're all adults, we'll act accordingly, say whatever you need to say. So she's kind kind of giving her the floor. And she, Danielle, this is the funniest, like, not the funniest thing, but it's funny to me because Danielle's like, I didn't know any of you's long enough that you deserve to know about my past or what what happened to me um you're telling these girls that you love them you're telling them like you want their boobies you know you're being very ingratiating whatever I don't think that's a proper grammar it's it's a late night here but you're doing like all these things to create like a false sense of almost like family with these women but now you're taking it back and saying you didn't know me long enough to deserve. You can't have it both ways. You can't f- have that fake intimacy, but then also be like, but I do you. Who are you? Who are you to me? So she basically says that she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, when all this stuff was written about her, you know, because she was at her boyfriend's house in the 30-room ho- house in Columbia or whatever. And then she says something so funny. And she's like, I sat at home throwing up and having diarrhea because of you. 
and honestly that phrase goes through my head like every time I get an email that I'm like oh how do I respond to this or like a phone call I don't want to respond to that line goes through my head so again Danielle's going after Dina but then Caroline says can you do me one favor look at me because I'm the one that told them and it's like dun 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 but Danielle's like that's not true you're sticking up for your sister and I respect that Caroline I respect it but it's not the truth and then Danielle's like I don't buy that and then Caroline does like you know her classic line she's like let me tell you something about my family we are as thick as thieves and you can't attack my sister when it's not true you will not attack the people I love classic classic line and then Danielle's like you know it's something really nice about all of you's being a nice cozy family but now my name is being dragged around town and then Dina's like no one in the town knows you again because she lives in Wayne and then again they're talking about the book was brought to Chateau there's a lot going on in the scene it's like it's like it's kind of hard to keep up with all the dialogue but let's just say it's Dina and Caroline and Danielle and then Teresa tries to get in well, we'll get into that in a second. But then Jacqueline says, she's like, I didn't want to get involved. But then Dina says at the table, she looks at Jacqueline. She goes, you tell her what happened, Jacqueline. And then Jacqueline's like flips. And she's like, Caroline and Dina brought the book into the salon. And then Caroline says out loud, she goes, you need to pick your family or you need to like get out. And Jacqueline's husband, Chris, who's also Caroline and Dina's brother, looks kind of uncomfortable. And then Jacqueline says, I saved your ass and never told her it was you. There is some pent up history between these sisters-in-law because at first I thought like, oh, it's all because of the book. But Jacqueline like finally snaps. And then she's like, you're such a liar, Dina. It's, it's amazing. And Dina's like, you're two-faced, Jacqueline. And then Danielle's like, this isn't what I wanted. Girl, yes, it is. You wanted all this chaos. And then Teresa. <laughs> Teresa gets activated. Teresa's like, why did your ex-husband write that about you? Obviously something is true. And she's pretty like calm when she says it. And then Danielle's like, pay attention, please. And Teresa fucking flips at this point. Excuse my French. And she's like, I am paying attention. Obviously something else happened to you. And then she goes on and on. She goes, you engaged 19 times? Prostitution whore? She like flips the table. I know I'm not getting the verbiage down perfectly, but you get the point. Engaged 19 times? Prostitution whore? And she flips the table and it's iconic and wine goes everywhere. And then Joe is grabbing Teresa by the armpits. And Dina's like grabbing her by the neck. And she's like, you fucked a guy in my house. You fucked a guy in my house. She's a fucking pig. I don't ever want to see her again. And her voice gets this, like, weird octave. And Dina says, like, I've known her for 15 years. I've never seen Teresa like that. And Teresa says, it pissed me off that Danielle called me stupid. And that, for, like, the next 18, 400 seasons we have, is Teresa's, like, button. If you want to push it, it's calling her stupid. And then Dina says that she's going to pray for Danielle. And then Chris, like, ends it. He's like, I don't want to hear anything else. Danielle, you're welcome in my home. We're all healthy. Let's enjoy this dinner. But the dinner's done. It's over. So then we have the closing credits, and it does that classic housewife things where it, like, pauses on the women, and it's usually, like, kind of an awkward photo, not very flattering. And so <laughs> these are so cheesy. So this is Dina, and it says, Dina's a housewife and enjoying her. <laughs> I see her out here, this cat. That's not exactly what they said. But she's hanging out with her cats. 
And then this is, I mean, this is exciting. It has Teresa and it says her new bubbies did the trick she and Joe are expecting. And then Caroline comes up and she like looks like a, like a bulldog with her hair. And she just looks like it's such an unflattering screenshot. And they say that Caroline stands by her decision about the book and would do it again. And then Danielle, she says, I think she, she either says this or it's on the card. It's like, I'll be knocking on your, no, she says it. I'll be knocking on your door. and won't be coming alone. And she's still looking for her soulmate. Well, we know that she brings Danny in, I think next season. That is such a trip. And then Jacqueline is expecting baby number three. And we know it's Nick. And this apparently like kind of healed all wounds. It brought the family together. So that's the end of this episode. Like I said in the beginning, there's another episode that is called Last Supper, which I guess goes into the dinner more. So I'll see if I'll cover that. I'm going to review it. Like I'll watch it and see if it's like worth going through everything again. I don't mind watching. I love this stuff. But I don't want to, you know, bore you guys with the back and forth, back and forth. It's kind of one of those like scenes that you have to watch because there's so much going on. But I'll keep you updated with... um. I, I'll be doing the reunion though for sure I the reunions are some like some of my favorite episodes of all my reality tv shows so that's the end of the episode guys I really appreciate you guys listening if you liked the show please give me five stars wherever you listen to this podcast and leave me a nice review if you feel so inclined but here's the thing I don't want less than five stars obviously it's gonna hurt my feelings and no mean comments um, because I'm doing my best here and just write it down on a piece of paper what you really think if it's mean and then rip it up and shove it up your butt no I'm just kidding throw it in the garbage it's not going to serve me so just toss it okay um, you can find me on Instagram um, I'm at watch what happened then I have been just posting like random videos of me getting ready in the morning because I don't know I always see these girls with like their ring lights and like there is like, I don't know, perfectly <laughs> doing their makeup. And I don't really know what I'm doing, but I have to get it ready fast. And the stuff I use is pretty cheap. So I don't know. I just figured I would show you guys how I do that. Um, okay, enough of me talking. I've gone on and on and on today. Please watch American Nightmare. Tell me what you guys think about it. And I'll be back next week with The Real Housewives of Orange County. And um, that'll be on Monday. So I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy it. Rest, relax, clean your house, go to the bar, do whatever you want to do. Sit in your pajamas all day. Watch Patty Stanger like eviscerate people <laughs> on Millionaire Matchmaker. Do whatever you want. Okay. Life's short. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>